already. Uh, but we sing Amazing Grace at least twice a month, so and nobody gets tired of that. So John chapter number 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, and I'll read down through verse number 6 with the Lord's help today. John chapter 5 and verse number 1, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, which is in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda, uh, a market, a pool, excuse me, which is in the Hebrew tongue, uh, Bethesda having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. I heard a guy preaching one time and said there was impotent folk uh, up there. But it's impotent folk of the blind, the halt, the withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now long a time, in that case he saith unto him, Wilt thou... Be made whole. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you all for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this portion of Scripture you directed our heart to. Uh, Lord, in prayer this morning, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray, Lord, you help us to preach the burden upon our heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, for this one here today that does not know you as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray you would use uh, the Word of God and the Spirit of God would touch their hearts, Lord, and let them know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. He was buried and He rose again on the third day for our justification. And I pray, God, for those that are here today that are saved, uh, God, that you would help them with the issues and the struggles and the problems that we all deal with in life on a daily basis. And what you do, we'll thank you and we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we come to our text, we find that Jesus is uh, went up to Jerusalem uh, where there was a feast. We don't know what feast this was. Some Bible commentators say it was the Feast of Trumpets. It really does not matter. But what we do know, we notice a few things. There is an identified place in verse number 2. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, when I read this verse, I noticed three things about this place that reminded me of the church as a type or a picture of the church, the house of God. First of all, it was called a sheep market. Now, you know what a sheep market is? It's where a shepherd goes to buy sheep. Amen? And aren't you glad that down there at the church house is where transactions get made, where those lost sheep can be brought in by the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it was also called Bethesda. If you look up that word Bethesda in a Bible dictionary, I love the definition of it. It means house of mercy. Oh, about you, but that sounds like church to me, amen? It's a place where sheep get bought, and it's a place where mercy is found. But then the Bible also tells us that there were five porches there. Now, those porches were interesting. The word porches here means an open covering. And so what it meant, there was a concrete slab, but it had a ceiling over it, but there was no walls around it. It was an open covering. Five in the Bible is the number of grace. And so watch this. It was a place where sheep were bought. It was a place where mercy was known and anybody could get in. There was room for anybody. It don't matter what your disease was. It don't matter what your problem was. 
was. It doesn't matter what your malady was. You could find a place at the house of mercy. And I'm right down there in the church. It don't matter where you've been or what you've done. I'm right at the house of mercy. And I'm glad there's grace. And I'm glad you can find your place at the master's table. It's an identified place. But then also we find the impotent people in verse number 3. This word impotent simply means weak or feeble, without strength, powerless. So on these five porches lay sick or sick people that would come and lie down, await in hopes and waiting of receiving a healing. There are those there with sight issues. The Bible said the blind was there. Those with standing issues, the halt were there. And those with strength issues, those that had a withered hand or, or maybe a withered foot were there. But then there's the interesting process. Verse 3 and 4, I'm, I'm running through this quickly so I can get to my burden and get out of the way. Uh, but there's an interesting thing that happens. There is a pool down here at this water. And the Bible teaches us that at a certain season, an angel would go down and trouble the waters of that pool. And whoever got in that pool of water first would be healed of whatever disease uh, that it had. And I pulled my commentators off the shelf this morning. I begin to read uh, through this passage again in those books. And all of those men say that they don't know if that really happened. Well, the only problem with that is the Bible said that it happened. And so I believe what the Bible says. Amen. So I said, well, that's just Jewish tradition. It doesn't look like that the Lord is giving Jewish tradition in this text. It looks like that there was a certain season where an angel would come down and trouble waters, and whoever got in the water first would be healed. I'm glad we have a perfect Bible this morning. But then we notice an individual person in verse number 5. And there was a certain man there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. This man is lame as we read on in our text. He cannot walk. He has no ability to get up and transport himself on his own. I'm 31 years old. Anybody here 38? I had a few in here the other uh, in the meeting the other night was 38 years old. Any, uh, anybody 36? What's the closest 38 we got here? You're 33, right? Man, y'all got a bunch of old people here. If William was here, he'd be close to it because he's his grandpa is what we call him. But can you imagine 38 years he'd never walked, never took a step. This problem that he had was a personal problem. It, it didn't affect nobody else around him, but it affected him. It was a painful problem. He had to rely on other people to get him around. He had to rely on others. It was a problematic issue. It was a prevalent issue he had in his life. We find he had been there for 38 years. The number 38 in the Bible is the number for bondage. This man had been bound down for 38 years. And I tell you, there's people in our churches today, both lost and saved, that are bound down by things in life. Hey, the lost is bound under the penalty of sin uh, because he, he is lost without God. But there are people that are saved. They're bound down by bitterness. And they're bound down by sin. And, and unconfessed sin and things in their heart and their life uh, that they won't give to the Lord. They're bound down by that. And until you allow God to work in that situation, you won't know the joy of victory in your life. We find an inspiring proposition in this text. Verse number 6, When Jesus saw him lie, 
Jesus was interested in this man. Watch that. It just so happened that Jesus was down at the sheep market in the house of mercy, standing on the porch of grace. And he saw that man. Amen. That blesses my heart. He saw that man. And he had compassion on that man. And aren't you glad for the day when you were lost that God come by where you was at and he saw your need? Hey, no doubt other people passed this man by. No doubt other people walked by and looked at that man and said, that's so sad. That's so tragic. Oh, but Jesus did not just look and say that's a bad thing. No, he stopped. Watch this. He is interested in that man, but he was informed about that man. The Bible said he knew that he had now been a long time in that case. He didn't have to pull up his medical records. He didn't have to go to the hospital and pull up notes. He knew exactly what that man had been going through. He knew exactly what that man was struggling with. And aren't you glad that Jesus knows all about our troubles and he knows every need that we have and then there's this interrogation of this man one simple question wilt thou be made whole he was living a hopeless life he was living a hurting life a helpless life a hindered life i want to preach on this thought this morning and, and it circles and compasses around this question that Jesus asked this man. When he said, well, thou be made whole. You know what Jesus was asking him? Are you tired of living like this? Are you tired of living your life in this condition? I mean, for 38 years you've been held bondage. For 38 years you've not been able to help yourself. Oh, for 38 years you've had no victory. For 38 years you've had no ability. Are you tired of living the life that you're living? Hey, I'll tell you, sinner friend, are you tired of living under the condemnation of sin? Are you tired of living your life uh, never knowing that when you die, whether you'll go to heaven or whether you'll go to hell? Are you tired Tired of living a life of sin? Hey, friend of mine that's saved this morning, are you tired of living in bondage under that sin that does so easily besets you? Are you tired of living uh, in the in the chamber of bitterness, in the dungeon of bitterness and unforgiveness and envy and jealousy and strife? Are you tired of being bound down to a habit? Are you tired of being bound down to those things? Are you tired of living like this? I tell you, all of us this morning can take application from this text because all of us have something in our life that we deal with every day and the Lord's come by this morning said are you tired of living like this are you tired of living your life in this pain in this trouble with this addiction uh, with this habit uh, with this sin with this love are you tired of living like this Some, uh, are you tired of smoking are you tired of looking at pornography are you tired of, of living, listening to the wrong music and doing the wrong things and watching the wrong things? Are you tired of being in bondage to that? Are you tired of living like this? That is the question that our Lord asked this man this morning. I said it the other night and I'll say it again. You won't get sick and, you won't get, uh, sick and tired until you get tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know a lot, why a lot of people won't get help? They're not tired of their sin. They're satisfied with the life. And may I remind you, there is pleasure in sin, but it's just for a season. We are trying to get out of the winter season. Somebody say amen. Brother Tony said, hey, they're calling for snow next week. I said, be quiet. 
I ain't said the word snow all winter long hoping that I would not invoke a snowstorm. Amen. And God, we had snow three weekends straight last year. I said, oh Lord, please have mercy on us this year. Amen. Uh, but but uh, we're trying to get into springtime. The grass is growing. Some of you already mowed your lawn. We've already mowed here at the church. You know what? Season is changing. That's the way sin is. Seasons change. There's pleasure in sin, but it's just for a season. I want you to notice some things about this man this morning. If he's tired of living the life he's living, there are some things that he had to do. Number one, remove the excuses. Remove the excuses. I know some of you have already heard this, but just bear with me. It's on my heart. The reason many people will never receive the help that they need from the Lord, whether saved or lost, because they make excuses. Well, I would give my life to God, but... And then whatever follows that conjunction is the reason. I would do this for the Lord. I would get saved, preacher. I would commit my life to the Lord, but... And they got all these things while they don't. His, excuse, his excuses involve people. He says, sir, I have no man. Many won't come to Jesus for salvation because they're afraid of what somebody else will say about them. They're afraid of what people will think. Well, if I go down there and get saved, what are they going to think? Hey, I tell you, I say it all the time and I want to say it again. I'd be more concerned about what God knows about me than what people think about me. His excuse, his excuses involve people. I'm going to tell you this morning, anybody that would be critical of somebody who wanted to give their life to Jesus Christ, that individual's not right with the Lord. Because if you're saved, your desire is to see other people serve the Lord. Amen. That's my desire is to see other people live their life for God. I'm tired of watching sin tear families apart. I'm tired of watching the world destroy our homes and destroy our families. I tell you, don't allow people to hold you back. I'll tell you, praise the Lord, I think I know this church well enough. There's, I think I know these people well enough. I've been here long enough. If you come down here and got saved this morning, or if you come down here and got right with God, they would rejoice with you. They'd thank God. They'd shake your hand and hug your neck and tell and they'd share with you how grateful they are that you gave, got things right with God. I'll tell you, He allowed people to be His excuses. His excuses not only involve people, His excuses involve that pool. He said, I have, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. He's putting all his trust in that pool. He said, uh, I can't get in there. His excuses involve pride. But while I'm coming down, another step is down before me. We're living in a dog-eat-dog world. People's putting... Pushing themselves and, and promoting themselves and pushing themselves ahead. And I'll tell you, that's the way this man was living. His excuses involved his perception. Here's what I mean by that. He said, uh, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water's troubled. Now watch this. Here is Jesus. You believe He's the Son of God? Say Amen. You believe that we preached about Genesis 1-1 last week. You believe He was there? Amen. I believe He was. I believe He died and He rose again. Amen. Jesus, the Son of God. He's standing there. Sir, would thou be made whole? <laughs> well... Y'all help me get up. If I can't get up, I've been riding that little rav all week. Well, sir, I would, but I can't get in that water. Jesus didn't say one word to him about the pool. He didn't say one word about, hey, I'm on, I would have liked to have been the guy, hey, the water's trouble, whop, and push somebody in the pool. I would volunteer for that ministry. But Jesus didn't offer to put him in the pool. Jesus said, will thou be made whole? Well, sir, I have no man. Watch this now. He's waiting for a stirring. But the Savior's standing there. He's waiting for the supernatural. 
but Jesus is standing there. He's waiting for something special, but Jesus is standing there. He's waiting for something spontaneous to happen. But Jesus is standing there. Hey, I'm telling you, if we're not careful, uh, we're waiting for something uh, big to happen. We're waiting to hear thunder and lightning and God speak from heaven in an audible voice. But you have the Word of God in your possession. You have God's Word in your heart. What are you waiting on? But we're waiting for a tingling down our back. We're waiting on, we're waiting on goosebumps. We're waiting on, uh, not the books, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we're waiting on all these things that happen. We're waiting on a feeling, but hey, we don't live our life by feelings, do we? We live by faith. We live by faith. You know, you know how foolish this man was? It, it'd be like, it'd be like, uh, I'm trying to think of an illustration, uh, uh, who I want to use in this illustration, because I don't want to get nobody in trouble. Amen. So there's Brother Eric. <laughs> It'd be like Brother Eric, uh, when he, he was in the Navy, right? No, Air Force. Air Force. You was already married when you was in the Air Force, right? Was, y'all was already married when you was in the Air Force. You got deployed, didn't you? Or you was away, was, you was, there was some time in your life when you was away from Carolyn for, for training or something. That'd be like him, and no doubt he probably had a picture of Carolyn that he carried with him. No doubt he better. Well, fine. Ooh, see, that's what I'm talking about getting him in trouble. And no doubt, uh, when he's, when he's, uh, uh, out, out there wherever he's at doing whatever it is that he does, Brother Eric was a great man in the Air Force. He destroyed several bunkers, several tanks, then they sent him overseas. You'll get that after a while. Uh, but uh, maybe he's got that picture when he go to bed at night. Look at that picture. And think about his wife and how much he loved her and he missed her. And might even hold that picture to his chest as he missed her. But you know, you know what? It would be foolish when he got home and she's sitting on the couch and he's sitting over in the recliner hugging that picture. Oh, I miss Carol. There she is right there. You know what a lot of people are doing? Boy, I wish God would help me, but His Word's right there. And the church is right here. It's just like hugging a picture when the one you love is sitting right next to you on the couch. you got to remove those excuses. Get your perception right. Amen. This man, he was interested in an angel, but the Almighty was standing there. I'd rather have the Lord of the hosts than the hosts of the Lord. I'm not. I'm telling you this morning, he, removed, he had to remove excuses. But number two... He had received the exhortation. Look at verse number 8. I, I, I love what Jesus... If I had been Jesus, y'all better be glad I wasn't Jesus. And I'm glad y'all wasn't Jesus. Because when he said, Well, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool, I'd say, Did I say anything about the pool, fool? <laughs> no, I didn't say about the pool. I'm going to push you in that pool. You know what he said? Verse 8. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Aren't you glad He looks beyond our foolishness? We give all of this. Well, God, if you'll do this, this, and this. But aren't you glad He looks beyond our faults? And He looks beyond our faithlessness. And He says, here's what you really need. It was a direct word. Jesus saith unto him. You realize when God, when you open up your Bible and when the Word of God is preached, you, God has a word for you? It's no accident you're here this morning. It's no accident the Lord put this particular passage of Scripture on my heart to preach. God's got something for you today. It was a direct word, but then it was a directive word. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He had a choice. He could receive it, or he could reject it. He could receive the word that was spoken to him, or he could reject the word that was spoken to him. Many people want help from the Lord, but they're not willing to obey the word of God. One of the main problems, 
with, with, with people in our, in our kind of churches. I don't know anybody else's churches, but I'm talking about in our kind of churches that I preach in and that I pastor. We know what the Bible says. It's just doing it that we have a hard time with. The Bible said, but be ye hearers, doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Brother Ricky Gravely said, sadly in our churches, we got a lot of hearers, but not many doers. Oh, we know, we hear it, we say amen. That's right, I believe that. And we say that on Sunday, but does it make a difference on Monday? Why ain't God helping me? Well, have we obeyed what He's told us to do in His Word? It's not enough to know what the Bible says. we got to obey the Word. We notice that He had to remove the excuses. Receive the exhortation. Number three, realize the effect. Verse number nine. And immediately... It was an immediate effect. And immediately the man was made whole. I'm telling you this morning, the, the, the Lord Jesus offers immediate help. I'm not throwing rocks at nobody in the emergency, in the, in the, in the medical field this morning. I'm not. But if you dine and you're in a hurry, the last place you need to go is the ER. <laughs> Cause you'll die out there in the waiting room waiting to get in to die. I mean, you know, it's just, I told my wife, I said, if I'm, if I'm, you know, fixing across Chile, Jordan, just go ahead and at least take me to a ball game or something before I go. Don't take me to the hospital. I ain't gonna get no help there, alright? I mean, I, but, and, and I, and I know it's busy and nobody has any help. The hospital don't have no help. McDonald's don't have any help. I get all that. Uh, but here's my point this morning. I'm glad Jesus don't say, now you're gonna have to wait because I'm dealing with this situation now. I know, I know there's only so many doctors. I know there's only so many nurses. I know there's only so many beds. I understand that. I, I get that. I'm speaking facetiously. I get that. But aren't you glad that Jesus don't say, now look, I've, I'm helping this one right now. I don't have time to deal with both of you. And so, oh no, He offers an immediate change in our lives. It was immediate. It was an incredible effect. And He took up, watch what the man did. And He took up His bed and walked. And the same day was on the Sabbath day. Here is this man. He didn't have to go to physical therapy. He didn't have to go and, and bounce the ball and, and get the little... And I'm not making fun, but he didn't have to learn how to walk again. Here's a man, according... If I'm reading it right, Brother Rich, he'd never walked in his life uh, from an infant. He had never walked from a toddler. He'd never walked all of his life. He had never walked. Uh, but here's a man, when he received the Word, when he obeyed what Jesus told him to do, he stands up and he picks up that bed and he begins to walk. I'm telling you this morning, are you tired of living the life you're living? I'm, when I'm preaching a gospel this morning, I'm going to believe a Bible this morning that offers an incredible change in our lives. Amen. The Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've told you this before. That little boy sitting in, sitting in school and, and I say a little boy is a college student rather and He's sitting in college, and that man was mocking the Bible. The teacher was mocking the Bible. It's not a true story. It's a fictitious story, but it proves a point. And uh, he said, uh, he said, do you all really believe that Jesus turned the water into wine? How could you believe that those water pots in John chapter 2 just had water in them, uh, but Jesus made wine? He said, I don't believe that. And he, he pointed out that boy he knew he was a Christian. He said, son, you don't believe that. He said, well, sir... I believe Jesus can turn water into wine, but I've never seen it. But I have seen Jesus turn wine into groceries. He said, because my daddy was a drunk and lost. 
He said, my daddy got saved. And he said, and there was liquor in the cabinets and liquor in the refrigerator. But when daddy got saved, there were groceries in the cabinet. There was food in the refrigerator. Aren't you glad Jesus can make a difference? And Jesus can make a change in our lives. I'm glad I could preach to those ladies the other night, those inmates. By the way, they're people just like you are. Ah, they're getting with it. Yeah, they are getting what they deserve, but you deserve some things too, and I deserve some things too. But you, you start letting them give their prayer requests. I said, uh, I said, how many of y'all are mothers in here? Thirty-three women. All of them raise their hand. All of them. And they're saying, pray for my children. One lady said, pray for my daughter. She got her license this week. There's people that's got, they got problems. Oh, but I'm glad I could walk in there, walk in that facility uh, where the devil's had such a hold and had such a, had such a, a, a power in there and say, I'm telling you, there's a gospel. There is hope in Jesus Christ. If you're tired of living the life that you're living. Number four, I'm almost done. Watch, he responded to the inquiring. Look at verse number 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. They had anger. Let me say this this morning by way of application. You give your heart to the Lord, you get right with God, don't expect everybody to be happy about it. Don't expect everybody to be lining up. Oh, we will. Around here, those are hey, we'll be glad. There might be family that don't understand. You might have friends that don't understand. They might mock you and persecute you. But at the end of the day, what they think don't matter. I don't mean that rude. But what they think don't matter. Because you're responsible for your relationship with God. It's between you and Him this morning. Notice His answer in verse number 11. He answered them and said, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then they asked, then they asked Him, uh, then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. I don't know about you, but I don't understand everything that I got saved. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. He didn't understand everything, but he knew I'm not the same. Oh, do you remember the night you got saved, Brother Charles? I'll use you for an illustration. Uh, you, you know you're a good Bible student. I said respectfully. But that night you got saved in 1999, you didn't know everything about that Bible that you know now. Uh, but here's what you did know. You knew you passed from death into life. Amen. You knew something was different. You knew you wasn't the same anymore. This old boy in John chapter 5, he don't know everything about Jesus. But here's what he knows. Nobody ever come by his way and showed that compassion and Changed his life like Jesus did. John 9, that man that was born blind. Jesus opened his eyes. And they said, well, tell it, them Pharisees. He said, this man must be a sinner healed on the Sabbath day. Here's that man said, whether he be a sinner or not, that I know not. But this one thing I know, whereas I once was blind, but now I see. That old boy said, I don't know much, but I know my blinded eyes have been opened. Amen. And then notice, notice this, this morning that I'm done. Not only did he ever remove the excuses, and not only did he have to receive the exhortation, realize the effect, respond to the inquiring, but he revealed the evidence. Look at verse 14. Notice the change. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple. He'd been laying out there over that porch with all those sick folk. In typology, he'd been standing out there with all those them sinners, living out there with all them people out there. But now that things are different, you find him in the temple. His life had changed and his location had changed. And notice the charge that Jesus gave him. Verse 14, Behold, 
thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. I believe this man gave his heart to the Lord. Jesus said, now don't go back to that old life. Don't go back to that. Hey, I'll tell you this morning, if you're saved and God saved you out of a life of sin, if you are saved, He did save you out of a life of sin. It may not be the kind of sin that somebody else got saved out of, but it was still a life of sin. Don't go back to that. Because God will chasten those that are His. Hebrews chapter 12 says He chastens every son He receiveth. Why? The same reason we correct our children. Reason, you know why? If we, and I've used illustration before, but you know why? If one of our young, we, we, uh, the other night I was carrying my gun in, uh, from, uh, when you travel like I do, you carry something with you. Somebody say amen. Stopping at gas stations at one in the morning and driving home, driving all night long, it's good to have something with you. And then some of the churches that I preach at, sometimes you gotta, you know, make sure you got something to get out with. Amen. But, uh, I was carrying in my gun and I, I pulled it out of pulled it out of its, its holster and was uh, taking the clip out of it and sighted and said, "Oh, there's your gun." And I said, "Yes, sir." And I, I got him down in front of it and pulled, and made sure it was clear. I said, "You don't touch this. It's not a toy." This is. And I spoke sternly with him. I didn't say now. now this is, I, I spoke stern. Why? I wanted him to know I meant business for his safety. Amen. I wanted him to know this is not a toy. That's something real. Why did I do that? Because I love him. And I want, I want to instruct him. That's the reason God chastens us, because he loves us. And he wants to instruct us from hurting ourselves and doing damage. I asked you this morning as Brother Matthew comes to the piano with a song, are you tired of living your life like you're living it? Having no hope, no peace, no assurance. If you're saved, maybe no victory. You got sin in your life. Uh, Paul says it's the sin that has so easily beset us. You know what that tells me? We all got one, at least one. One that just keeps rising its head. I, I, I mowed the grass out here the other week. I basically cut the onions. You know what I'm talking about. But you know what's bad about them onions? They'll lay down when them blades go and they'll pop right back up after you go over it. You about got to drop the deck to the ground and to get them. You know, that's the way the easy besetting sins are. You think you got them down, and they'll pop right back up again. They'll pop right back up. You want victory? You want help? You tired of living like this? You've got to remove those excuses. It ain't nobody else's fault but mine, Lord. I'm going to receive your word, and I'm going to walk differently. I'm not going to let anybody pull me back to that old life. I don't care what they say. I want to live my life for Jesus. Let's stand all over the auditorium. I preached 30 minutes this morning. I appreciate your attention. Heads bowed, our eyes closed. Perhaps the Lord has spoke to your heart today. Whatever your need is to the